This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode 424. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and joined today by Matthew Marister. Again. I'm here again. You're stuck. People stuck probably getting tired of you. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I get tired of myself. Actually, I haven't seen a single comment yet. Uh, where's Jacob? Bring Jacob back. <laughs> yeah, we just keep, you know, we're just, we're, we're retiring Jacob from the show. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> just start fake news over here. It's fake news. <laughs> just, uh, you know, just a lot going on and, and uh, some really uh, good stuff happening down at the office slash warehouse today. That's where Jacob is today. And, probably not the best day for him to try to hop on a podcast so you got the two of us and uh here we are talking about gunfight hit factor we'll explain what that what we mean by that and and talking about how we increase that hit factor right and we'll spend some time talking about processes and results because uh, i think this is a very interesting approach to defensive shooting and and it's kind of borrowing from some things in the competition world so uh we'll get into that some of you may disagree with some of what we say today that's okay disagreement is a-okay being jerks is not (laughs) (laughs) and uh so we're just gonna we're gonna hit this topic today but first though today's episode is brought to you and sponsored by and actually they are an official podcast sponsor mantis x MantisX.com is where you can check them out. Many of you are probably familiar with the product. Uh, I've I still got my original Mantis X, the original you know version one model from a couple years back. Still use it, and I'll tell you, it's I, I've learned a lot about how I shoot a gun, how I manipulate a trigger, and things from the feedback that Mantis X has provided me. And Matt, Matthew, have you used Mantis X? Yeah, I had the original one, and now I have the uh, the X10, which Ooh. is yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's all the stuff that when I had the original one, I was like, man, I wonder if it could do this. And you're like thinking, oh, that's some sort of like futuristic type stuff. But the stuff that the new X10 can do, as far as like, ma- you know, giving you readout on uh, on muzzle rise and in recovery right. times and stuff, it's just it's it's phenomenal. And I haven't even been able to uh, play with that part of it uh you know the x10 in particular uh that much i've played with it a little bit uh, i don't have a personal model we've got one down at the office that i can uh, use i keep meaning to take it to the range with me and and get a little more familiar with it uh but uh yeah that stuff is really fascinating to me and there's way more data available in the x10 than i actually thought there was the more i learn about it i'm like oh wow like that's really 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 cool uh now the original model has been basically phased out now at this point i think there's still a little bit of remaining stock available but once it's gone it's gone and then the new flagship model will be the uh the x3 model Mm -hmm. and so uh yeah uh check out the manis x you can go to manisx.com, like I said. And now here's the deal. For podcast listeners, you're going to get 10% off if you use a coupon code CCP10, CCP10. So save 10% just by being a listener of the Concealed Carry Podcast 
and go to mantisx.com. Today's episode also brought to you by the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app, Reciprocity Map Builder Tool. So I've got my app here. I'm going to load it up. And we were talking about this the other day, actually, with the uh, uh, the gun business directory or the gun, you know the gun business finder map you know tool thing. Really, really cool tool. Well, if we go to the maps tab and then go within that to the reciprocity tab, you can generate your own custom reciprocity map based on a variety. Now, I know on the camera for those of you viewing, it doesn't show it super great because of the lighting and everything that I've got here in the office, but uh, uh, I've got multiple permits and I, I think it's just super handy. Like what I do is you, you create a, uh, an account on the app and you plug in there, your, your permit information, right? So I got this permit. I got that permit. Here's my expiration dates. You're going to get a reminder when you're getting close to your expiration. I think it's supposed to prompt you around hundred, either 90 days or 120 days out, uh, which is, Oftentimes the 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 renewal kind of uh, time frame, uh, like here in Colorado, we can start I think a renewal uh, 120 days before it expires, and and it can take up to 90 days to process. Usually doesn't, but it can. And so, but here's the thing: you got all those those permits, and you've got them plugged into your account and the app. You just go in there and you just tap the little button here. Use my CCW info, and it's just going to pull right from the the permits you have plugged into the app and generate your custom reciprocity map showing exactly what states have reciprocity and which ones don't for you. Hugely valuable tool built right in there within the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. Use the link concealedcarry.com forward slash mobile app as a short link to get there and it'll prompt you to download the app in either Android or Apple device form. Mm -hmm. And it's constantly updated and I know there's other apps out there that do the do reciprocity maps, um, but I, I, this the app. I mean, our reciprocity map in, in that is built into such a, such a robust you know gun tools more more than just one. So, I mean, you get a lot in in that map. And one of the things is I, I don't know the support on some of the other. I've I've looked at some of the other ones just because I'm curious when people say you know there's other apps and stuff. Um, to see if they get updated and stuff. I don't know. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't follow that, but um, I know ours gets updated regularly. So that's right. And uh, the question actually in the Facebook comments here from Ben, how do we add a business to the gun friendly map? Uh, so there, I think on the, on our website, there's a link to be able to request to add a business to the directory, but you can also just email support at concealedcarry.com and, and uh, send your information of, of whatever business it is. That's also true of gun-free zones. So we will add those uh, to the database if there's a gun-free zone or a gun business that you'd like to make sure people know about. Send, send an email to support at concealedcarry.com. That'll be one way to handle that for sure. That'll just come to our support team here and uh, they'll, we'll get taken care of. So good question. So uh, yeah, thanks guys for supporting our sponsors and making this podcast possible and everything we do here. Let's get into the topic, Matthew. So gunfight hit factor. Let me kind of explain a couple of things and sort of set the, the stage or the context for this conversation we're about to have. Um, the phrase hit factor comes from 
particularly IPSC and USPSA competition shooting. Right. IPSC was founded way back in the 70s. USPSA was in the late 80s or, yeah, I think somewhere. No. Anyway, something like that. I should go check up or brush up on my USPSA history. Uh, But uh, in that style of shooting, you finish based on like your, your final, you know, finish place or ranking or whatever at a match is entirely based on hit factor. What is hit factor? Well, you take your time that you shot the stages in, right? So, well, it took me 15 seconds. Or, actually, let's use a really nice round number. Let's say 10 seconds because 10 is really easy to compute off of, right? So let's say you shoot a stage in 10 seconds. And there are some stages that are very, very short and very quick and fast. So a 10-second stage. And you've got, let's say, six targets. Okay? But each target in order to be considered neutralized, if you will, has to be shot twice. And so you shoot each of those six targets twice. Each target is worth a max of five points. Or, well, excuse me, every hit on each target is worth five points, a max of 10 points per target. Uh, if you had a steel target, though, it would be a five-point target, right? So for however many hits it takes on a target. Uh, then, But let's just say we have six paper targets, two shots each, five points each, max points, right? And so you have 12 times five for all the points. That's 60 points, right? Assuming you got good hits, right? A zone hits. 60 points divided by 10 seconds. That's the time it took you to get those 60 points. And what do you get? 60 divided by 10. Matthew, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, what do you get? Uh, Can jarheads do math? Was it point, point 0.6? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, one... <laughs> 60, 60 know, you divided by 10. 60 divided by 10. A six. Sorry. I thought you said six <laughs> divided by 10. Six, six divided by 10 is six. Oh, boy. We Yeah. So for the record, Marines don't do math well. <laughs> I, did, I, Just I, I, I can count on my fingers. <laughs> 60 divided by 10. So 60 points divided by 10 seconds. Hit factor of six. Right. But let's say somebody got it done in five seconds. Now, this would be like me shooting a stage in 10 seconds, right? Uh, and then Max Michelle doing it. Let's just say Max Michelle did it in six seconds, okay? Because that makes it really easy again. So then we divide, say, 60 points for Max Michelle by six seconds. And what we get? Hit factor of 10, right? So that hit factor would be four, four points he- higher than mine, let's say, okay? So that would be hit factor. Now, what is that? A, a division of points by time is quite literally points per time, per second. Points per second. So why is this relevant? Well, I was thinking about this recently and, and the other evening, and I was just thinking about it in this manner. And I was thinking about how points per second in a gunfight is very much a thing. Now, the points might be a little bit ambiguous, right? Um you know, because really the objective in a gunfight is must stop threat, must neutralize threat. And we don't know how many shots it will take necessarily to for sure stop that threat because in some gunfights, it might be one shot. In others, it might be 10 shots, like the recent experience that BJ Baldwin had in that uh, uh, In-N-Out Burger uh, shooting that we talked about recently, right? So, So we don't know exactly the course of fire. We don't know the stage layout. We don't know the number of shots required for the so-called gunfight stage. But 
it doesn't that's actually irrelevant because what is important is that a high hit factor or the higher we can get our so-called hit factor the better we're going to be if our hit factor in a gunfight with a threat with a with a bad guy or bad gal a bad dude uh if if our hit factor is higher than theirs we win every like pretty much every time agreed yeah i mean i would say in a, in a you know in a competition every things are controlled so you know what you're getting into you know what the what the metrics are and what you need to qualify or or whatnot right in a in a in a uh, deadly force shooting you don't know and you can't control everything so yeah we're trying to give ourselves the best chance the best odds right because we can't get the odds to 100% uh, survival like we can, you know, in a competition. So we're just trying to do everything we can to get that odds of surviving this the highest. And through looking at video and watching video, and I know John Correa and you did a, a whole uh, segment on, you know, typically the f- person who starts landing act- accurate hits or hit their hit factor is good quickly uh, on the other guy is typically the person who survives or who ends up dominating the gunfight or kind of dictating how it's going to end. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. So with this premise or this logic in mind, uh, here's the thing. Okay. So, so, so again, we, we, it's not like a, a competition stage where again, we know ahead of time. In fact, I'm shooting a match tomorrow and I've got, well, I had them right here. I must have, oh, I put them over there in my range bag. I've got printed out for uh, uh, the Wyoming sectional USPSA championship, which is tomorrow. Well, it's tomorrow and Saturday, but I'm shooting it tomorrow. Uh, Worked out with my schedule better, and I think they were actually out of spots for Saturday. So shooting that tomorrow, there's seven stages. I know what all the stages are in advance. They send it out to shooters. So I can look at that and go, okay, all right. Kind of have a sense of what I'm going to do, right? Know how many targets there are, know many how, how many shots there will be, how many points are up for grabs. And uh, then, you know, when I see the stages, uh, I doubt I'm going to get up there in time to see them tonight. So I'll have to try to get there early tomorrow. And I'll, be, I'll, I'll, be, I'll do a quick walkthrough and go, okay, cool. All right, now I know what I need to do, right? In real life gunfight, we don't get that advantage of knowing ahead of time. But I'm going to make a little correlation here that wherever we go, you know, environmentally, like our environment that we find ourselves in, we can be aware enough of that environment that it's kind of like the stage layout, right? So you look at USPSA, IPSC style stages or IDPA or whatever, uh, and you got, you know, like different walls or barrels or, you know, just various things that that are placed in the way to, to make it interesting, right? To create this, the 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 these walls, these obstacles, these shooting boundaries, uh, it's an environment that you have to operate within. Well, we find ourselves whether it's at home, at work, uh, at a restaurant, at the gas station, we're in all these various unique environments. And a part of you know, I think so often we we talk about like so-called situational awareness, and people think, well, I'm going to pay attention to where all the bad guys are. Um, but it is obviously way more broad than that. It's, it's 
it's, you know, it's about everything. It's about knowing where you are, the environment that you're in, what resources and tools are available to you in that environment, right? And then who, who are the actors in that environment? Who's around me? Uh, what's going on? Paying attention to little cues, subtle hints, uh, whatever it is, right? That would be, you know, looking at a, at a situation more holistically in terms of being aware and, that environment, that's your shooting stage. You've got walls, you got columns, you got gas pumps, you got tables, you got chairs, you got whatever stuff in this environment, some of which might be a hindrance to you, some of which might be your best friend as you use it for cover, right? And then the course of fire is threat, stop threat as soon as possible. Well, how do we how do we accomplish it as soon as possible? Well, First of all, we, we want to shoot at a high-level performance to where we can get good hits in a short amount of time uh, on, on that target. And we don't want to have any misses. Because guess what? Every single miss or every ineffective shot, because guess what? Hitting somebody on the periphery is not an effective shot. Right? We, we need stuff in, in kind of the, you know, that high center chest, center mass, Head, you know, those, those, those critical areas that are going to bring a stop to the threat as soon as possible. And that's a high hit factor. That's actually one of the things I appreciate about USPSA shooting is it penalizes, especially for minor scoring. I won't go into the specifics between minor and major uh, factor score or scoring uh, numbers, but, uh, but in, you know, I shoot nine millimeter, I'm shooting minor scoring. And if I hit it in the D zone on a USPSA target, it's only worth one point. You know, so I hit in the periphery on the body. Well, it's not that it's worth nothing, it, but it, it's not worth a lot, right? Hit him in the center chest, five points. Hit him twice, boom, 10 points. That, you know, that's that's a lot more effective. Um, anyway, my point is, is that uh, your course of fire is stop threat as soon as possible with no misses because misses represent more time it takes for you. Every miss costs you time. Mm-hmm. Right, you're that's one more shot away from accomplishing the objective. Plus, in the real world, there's penalties for a miss potentially, and and big time penalties. It's not like it's not like hitting a no shoot in a match, and not only do you get docked the point you missed on shooting the target you were supposed to shoot, but you you get penalized ten additional points. In the real world, you might get penalized three million dollars for a lawsuit. Right. And having to live with the guilt of my missed shot killed somebody else or hurt them severely. Right. So I, I, I'm going on and on. Like, I, I, dude, like my brain would just, I could just dump on you right now with all these <laughs> thoughts. But, but let's bring it back to kind of the premise of, of today's uh, episode. And I want to get your thoughts on kind of some of this other stuff that I've thrown at you is I want to achieve as high of a hit factor points per second good effective hits on target, good meaty bits of the body in as less time as possible. And that equates to a high hit factor. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, the next question, well, before I get, before I ask that question, uh, I know there's probably, probably going to be people that are listening and saying, well, you know, competition shooting is totally different than self-defense and, you know, it's not a game. And, and I mean, I know all the, all the kind of uh, arguments for that because, 
if if I'm being honest, I I, I initially didn't really see the the uh, I was kind of in that camp. I wasn't so dogmatic, but I was sort of in the camp of you know uh, let's not try to. Uh, put point values on shooting because, you know, it almost becomes a game. And that was kind of almost, you, you know, I wasn't so dogmatic uh, as some people, but I know if you're listening and you're kind of th- uh, along that line or in that camp. Um, but here's, here's what I would say, uh, kind of change my mind on this is, is that like, um, how do you quantify um, hit factor Right. If you're not doing any sort of metric or, or any sort of um, either mm-hmm. a drill or a stage or timed uh, event or anything like that, how can you quantify that? Because, you know, I think we all would agree getting quick shots, accurate shots, effective shots quickly on the target in the least amount of time is perfect. And that's what we're, we're, our goal is. And that's the description or definition of hit factor. So we know it's important. How do we quantify it? And if you're not using a timer, if you're not doing uh, some sort of repeatable thing where you can see progression or maybe, you know, uh, a a dissolving of your skills, um, then you really don't know where you stand and you don't know if you're getting better or worse. You don't know how to quantify your skills. That's right. So, so here's a question for you and, and, you know, and you're on a great, like trajectory here in terms of thought process. Um, most shooters go to the range, they shoot, they practice, and they get points, right? When they shoot from the, like they see their points, they see their hits. And, and that's measured one of a, there's a couple of ways we could measure that, right? So if we're shooting, say, like a B8 bullseye style target, a B, an NRA B8 target, we have an X ring, 10 ring, 9 ring, 8 ring, 7 ring, and so forth. And so, obviously, in the dead center, and the tent, including the 10 ring, worth 10 points every shot, right? And as we get further and further away from the center, which is our goal is to hit the center, then we start losing points. So, that would be one way is that straight up like uh, some kind of, uh, uh, what's the word? Progression or, or um, oh, there's a word that's like, Anyway, it's just a proportional. There we go. Proportional uh, calculation of points based on how far from center, right? Another way would be that it's a go no go, right? Like a it's a pass fail. Uh, so I shot Jack Wilson drill or Jack Wilson test. I'm starting to call it Jack Wilson test because I, it's it's to me it's like it's it's one shot. It's not much of a drill really. It really is like a test. Like I, that's how I approach it. I go to the range. I go okay. Here's a, here's the here's the test. All right. Can I do this? Yesterday I failed. All right. Uh, my round impacted like three quarters of an inch below uh, the the zone, right? The hit zone. And which, by the way, I mean, is the difference between like hitting him in the nose and like hitting him in the lip, right? Like, okay, I'll still take that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but uh, but but the goal, but the objective is. I mean, we we we've got to be careful about trying to make drills or trying to draw realistic conclusions from those that, you know, that like it doesn't cross over exactly. Right. Like uh, it's not a perfect comparison. It shouldn't necessarily even be that. It's just simply a drill. And the test in that case is three by five card, 15 yards in under under three seconds from the draw. Uh, I either hit it or I don't. 
that's a pass fail. It's either all points or zero points. It's either a hit factor of 100 or zero, right? You know, you see what I'm getting at? Um, all right, so that, that'd be another way of measuring points. And then, of course, we have some other options as far as like USPSA targets or IDPA targets and that kind of thing where, well, this zone is, you know, five points. Uh, this one's, you know, three points. This one's, you know, one point. That, that kind of thing, right? Uh, where it's more larger, general, generic hit areas, uh, and then it progressively uh, gets worse from there. So my point is, is like, whatever you're shooting, most shooters shoot and they go, okay, I either hit or I didn't hit, or I got, you know, these points. Or look at this group. That group's pretty good. You know, whatever. But can you calculate hit factor if you don't have a time component to put with it? Yeah, you can you can't you really can't it's all subjective it, it's irrelevant right mm-hmm. because what hitting a, a target and i see this sometimes in like facebook groups like somebody posts up their targets i was at the range today check out my target right it's like okay cool and and like you see some targets from some shooters that look like they shot it with double up buckshot from 10 yards you know holes all well 10 yards is really not that far for depends i guess on on your uh your patterning of your particular shotgun but you know, it looks like they just shot this target with buckshot all over. And then you see some photos posted from shooters and you see a really nice group or some, you know, pretty decent shooting. And it's like w- the variables in those two situations between those two shooters could be very similar. I was shooting this at seven yards, right? I fired 10 shots. Here's my results, right? But one is significantly different than the other, Right. Well, so what's the difference there? Now, obviously, there's some skill difference, but ignoring that, assuming you have two shooters that are of similar skill levels and you have two very different results on target, well, a lot of times a factor's got to be time, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's relevant, right? Well, you know, a shooter posts up a target. Um, I feel like I'm kind of struggling. Like, you know, my group's not as, not, you know, I, I missed some shots. I didn't hit this area. I was trying to hit whatever it is, right? I didn't hit my target. It's like, well, you posted a target. How, how how fast were your shots, right? Because you might have a shooter trying to shoot 20 splits, right? And those shots are spreading out. Or you ha- meanwhile, you have the dude posting the seven-yard target that looks like one hole. Well, I took two minutes to fire those 10 shots. Mm-hmm. See what I'm getting at? So time is a... And, and we start talking about an actual real life shooting gunfight. Time is very relevant. There's no specific part time. It is solve problem as soon as I can. Period. The sooner right. the better. Yeah, I mean there is a part time. We just don't know what it is, right? Because right. the part times either you you are ended, the fight ends with you losing, or the fight ends with them losing. I mean, there is a start and a stop. And, and while, you know, we can talk about surreptitious draws or drawing when there's a, a moment of opportunity, once that gun comes out, that's like the beep, right? Like, so whether it's a, a, a you know, I'm responding with a draw to a, a threat or I'm using a surreptitious draw or waiting for a moment of opportunity to draw. Once the gun comes out, there's a part time before, when that 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 gunfight's going to be ended one way or another and uh we just don't know what it is but mm-hmm. we can give ourselves the best chance of surviving if we 
dictate a little bit more on our side of getting hits, getting our hit factor and getting those hits quickly, even if it's a surreptitious draw, draw, you know, quick, quick shots are, are starting to impact because even a surreptitious draw, I mean, you start drawing slowly, you bring attention yourself if that, you know, so, um, I, I mean, I don't mean to belabor the point, but, um, but yeah, so, so a time element is crucial, even though we don't know part times Yep. beforehand. Yep. Let, so let me give you, throw out some kind of other just interesting things to consider, uh, regarding this. So let's imagine, uh, you know, let's make up a, a, a make-believe gunfight, an example of one. And so you've got bad guy and you, right? Bad guy draws his gun. You draw your gun, right? And let's say you fire five shots in 1.8 seconds, which is pretty a pretty good clip, right? But you are you're going so fast, you're out shooting your skill level, and you're kind of more relying on like point shooting. Mm-hmm. And four out of the five shots miss or don't really hit very effective areas on the body. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, your bad guy takes three seconds to fire five shots, but all of them hit in your chest. Who wins? Yeah, I mean, I, I, w- I would say uh, obviously effective hits uh, are always gonna. I don't want to say always because you know we're we're dealing with uh, the randomness of life, but yeah, you have a much higher probability of ending that fight with effective hits rather than some somebody getting shot in the arm and mm-hmm. you know ending the fight that way. So the 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 hits that are counting, so to speak, the the A zone hits, if you want to. Yep. You know, combine the two terms. Um, th- th- those are going to dictate the fight. That, that yep. I, I, now, now I recognize my example I gave is not a perfect example, and and it doesn't paint the whole picture, right? Uh, because I mean, for instance, now now on a on the simplistic level, ass- assuming uh, make making just very broad assumptions, even if the bad guy took a little bit longer time, but was but got far more hits on target than you did shooting very fast, but having more misses, uh, chances are bad guy wins, right? But what what reality throws at us is that, well, you might have missed four out of five times, but that one hit that came on your second shot went right in the in the exact right place that it needed to, heart, head, whatever, right? Uh and that second shot, instead of, you know, it, it occurred at 1.2 seconds or whatever. But then you fired, you know, so many other shots after that. And, they, you know, and they were not effective or they missed or whatever. But then you recognize, oh, bad guy's going down. Okay, so I stopped shooting, right? So mm-hmm. you see what I'm getting at? Like one of those shots, only one of those shots has to really count uh, in some circumstances. Uh, and so, and even if the bad guy fired five shots, but took three seconds, but his first shot connected perfectly. Well, he, you know, you see what I'm getting at? Um, so, so real life is, is not as simple as such a simplistic example, but what I'm trying to get at is a miss for us in practical terms in a gunfight equates to, well, that one missed. Now I got to shoot again, which is more time. Mm -hmm. And if I don't do something, if I don't correct something somewhere along the way, like if I miss and if I don't fix that, 
there's a good chance I just keep missing or I miss at a high percentage, right? And you see, so that just is going to prolong things. Well, now it's just more shots, more shots, more time, more time before I can actually solve the problem. And this yeah. is why it's important to have a high standard of accuracy and a high standard or really a low standard in terms of like the numerical value of time, right? Mm-hmm. We want to get as many good hits on target, and good enough hits, effective hits, adequate hits, appropriate hits for for based on the target, right? If I can, if I can put everything in a six inch, you know, like a grapefruit size, that's a pretty good size grapefruit, but in a grapefruit sized area in the high center chest, that is, those are effective hits. If I can put them between the eyes and the nose and that triangular area that, that intersects there on the face, that's probably going to get it done with one shot, even in a lot of uh, cases. So, um, that is what would be considered high hit factor shooting, unless it takes you so much time to do that, that you can't get it done. Like you're going up against Max Michelle, right? Mm -hmm. Tell you what, I can probably shoot as accurately as Max Michelle. If there's no time restraint, right? I just shot a, a 1.25 or 1.35 inch group, something like that. I didn't actually measure it, but it was really, it was a very tight group at 25 yards yesterday with my competition pistol. But that was an untimed, I, I was literally just trying to confirm sight in for my red dot. No time restraint. I can shoot really great group. It's one of the better groups I've shot with that particular gun at that distance. But I'll bet Max Michelle can do it faster than me. See what I'm getting at? So, so this is where there there should be this desire within us to constantly improve, right? To get more accurate, right? Because there should be some base level of accuracy. Like, a, you know, if you, okay, so I'll tell you what, if you can shoot, if you can shoot a uh, dot torture drill at three yards with a, 47, 48 points or higher score. You probably have the skill as far as accurate accuracy is concerned to make any shot that you need to make in a defensive situation, right? Cause you look at this little two inch circle at three yards, right? And so, you know, let's say that three yards is um, is a little bit less than half of seven yards. Seven yards is a very common distance that p- people use in shooting, um, t- 21 feet, right? Well, that's a about a four-inch circle at seven, at seven yards. It's about a six-inch circle at 10 yards, give or take, right? Well, could we have a shot beyond that? Sure. Right, so if we could shoot better than that, that's even better. But my point is, is that most shooting problems, accuracy-wise, can easily be solved with the level of accuracy it takes to shoot two-inch circles at three yards with no time restraint. I'm just talking about accuracy here. If you can do that, then you have technically the capacity within you to shoot accurately enough for what's required in most situations. Mm-hmm. So the only other major contributing factor then is how quickly you can do it, right? So here's my point. I was working with a shooter not too long ago, 
and we did we we did the dot torture drill, and he got done shooting that, and I said, look. You have just demonstrated because he had some kind of, I think, some insecurities of what he was capable of doing, particularly accuracy wise. Uh, he was really intimidated by dot torture. He's just like, whoa, like that. Whoa, it's just, you know, it, it was kind of overwhelming to him. And what did I tell him? I said, focus on the process. How are you going? How do you hit this two inch circle of three yards? How? You put the gun on that dot, you don't move it, and you press the trigger. If you do that, it will go there every single time. That's the process. Now, there's there's a lot of stuff in the details, you know, to accomplishing that as far as the process. But that, if we break the process down into simple bite-sized chunks, it's put gun on target, hold it there, press trigger, and don't move it from there, right? That's the process. That's it. And, and here's the thing. You had a shooter who was so focused on this is this little small target for me in his perception, his, in his worldview, that's a small target for me, even at three yards. He kind of felt like he couldn't hit it. Right. And he was so focused on the fact that I don't know that I can hit this or he was afraid he was going to miss that that got in his way of the process or it would have. But because of the way I taught him, we made sure we focused on the process part of things. I said, look, you know what you got to do. So all you got to do is these three things. Get the gun on target, hold it there, press trigger. And there was a couple times throughout shooting that dot torture drill. He was like, oh boy, you know, that shot got really close. So he's looking at the results and I had to, I just kept reminding him, hey man, just focus on the process. You've done it up to this point 30 other times. Like, I don't think he has first miss until he'd probably fired 30 shots. You've just proven for 30 times. You can do this. Go back to what you did. Don't worry about that result. Mm-hmm. I have misses too. Happens more often than I'd like, right? I have misses. Big deal. You fix it. And the way you fix it, you don't fix things by looking at the, the holes in the target. We can use the holes on target to be a gauge like, okay, well, clearly something didn't work, but that's just, all that should be is a cue to go back to the process of firing a gun, firing a shot. That's yeah. where the real work occurs. I would, as you were going through that and you kind of explained, um, you know, if you possess the skills, you're using the dot torture at three yards, uh, those skills are adequate enough or show enough proficiency to make hits at, you know, like how you said, uh, five and seven yards. Um, I think the issue is, and, and I would, I would correlate that, or I would use the analogy like that and compare it to a timer, right? Like mm-hmm. if you don't know the times, um, then you don't know what you're capable of, right? So if you don't know that you can run this dot torture, if you never run the dot torture, uh, you don't know that you're capable, those skills are, are are going to be transferable. Similarly, if you never timed yourself, you don't know what your times are. And I think that the issue is with timing, uh, with times, is that you said focus on the process, right? And And that requires like a methodical approach mostly, right? Like you break it down into steps and you learn the right technique 
in a building pattern, right? So then you come out and you have a good, uh, a, a good draw. So you break it down into, into steps with time. I think it's difficult to tell people we still got, we still have to build the process. Like the time will come. Like you see somebody with a one second draw, you're not going to be able to get that. Like the first day that you're out drawing. Mm-hmm. And so don't be discouraged when you have a three second draw time. Like that doesn't mean that you, that you, you can't do it. It just means we need to methodically move from three seconds down to two and a half down to Mm -hmm. two. And so I think it's different. It's a different approach because there's all this tension to, to uh, not break it down step by step because there's this time element. Right. And I think that's, um, I, 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 as you were saying, that kind of played in my mind is that, um, you know, it, it is how we go about learning things can sometimes be a roadblock. And when you put a time element, it always kind of makes people, or I don't want to say always, but it, the tendency is to cut corners or cut the the process. And you mm-hmm. said that's a, it, it's extremely important in coming out with a, a good result is to learn something through a process. So the time element gives you some some of that uh kind of stress but it also kind of at that same time that stress kind of makes you hey i'm just going to do this because i want to be fast um but yep i don't know if that makes sense maybe i it absolutely does too far out it makes sense everything you said makes sense and, and here's the thing so i was talking you know a moment ago i was mostly talk, talking about the accuracy uh standard uh portion of it uh the point being there the point i'm trying to make is that Many of you listening or, or watching the podcast today can probably, you know, you can probably consistently, let's say if, if you can stand there and put five rounds on demand into a two inch circle at three yards, then you have the technical accuracy potential. Like you can shoot accurately well enough to do anything that I would require of you in my classes. Okay. And so then we start looking at the time side of the equation, like what you're talking about here, Matthew. Time and accuracy are two different things. Mm-hmm. They are, and they and they and they kind of they they work against each other pretty much, right? They're they're very. Uh, I mean, it comes down to decreasing the amount of time that we perform a certain task within makes it a little more difficult to perform that task. Some of that is just straight up that's the way it works. Some of it is actually self-imposed, you know, as far as letting the stress of that get to us. So that's actually what happens to a lot of people. If they've never used a shot timer before, the first time they are asked to shoot something under, you know, while being recorded by a shot timer, it's, it's a pretty stressful event for them uh, because they're thinking more about the timer than they are actually about just the process of getting the, the job done. Right. So, so the, the brain goes from focusing on what I got to do to I'm worried now can, if I can get it done in the, in the time or not. Uh, don't worry about that. Worry about what you can do and you will perform at a subconscious level uh, at the level that you have subconsciously achieved. And, 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 and it will happen as fast as you are capable of doing it. It, it will. Uh the thing is, is that there's a, a big difference between shooters as, as far as what they've like really truly mastered and ingrained within themselves subconsciously, right? I, I'm at a point now where, le- you know, less and less and less, I think about 
really aiming the gun. Actually, I, I would say that most of the time I don't really think about aiming uh, the gun so much. Uh, it's occurring more on a subconscious level. It's, it's more about observing what's occurring in front of my face. See dot on target, press trigger, right? And, and I'm not like thinking like, oh, I got it. And actually, to be honest with you, more shooters probably shouldn't be thinking so hard about aiming. But many do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be a bit of a, of a pitfall at times. Um, focusing more on just observing what's going on. Because I'll tell you what, our bodies are amazing. I mean, does anybody think about what they're doing with the computer mouse when they're navigating across a computer screen with the mouse, you don't think about it at all. Do you, you think I need to press that, that link. (laughs) I want to see this photo. My friend posted on Facebook and you either just tap with your finger or you move your computer mouse over and you just, you move to where your eye is looking. It happens naturally. Mm -hmm. Your gun will do the same thing if you let it. Uh, And so anyway, we will, we will perform a certain skill as quickly as what we've essentially like if you, if you have not developed um, the speed side of it, it's hard to do things fast, you know, really fast. And so I think that you have to work on accuracy and you have to work on speed separately. And so here's the thing, you know, we put students in our classes and of course, they, they go through quite a bit of instruction, especially before we start really pushing them. And we'll put a student at three yards, not very far away from a pretty good sized target. And we say, go as fast, you know, just, you know, once I've already evaluated, they're safe and that they know how to consistently draw uh, safely. I'll say, get in front of that target, go as fast as you can. Right. And they'll start drawing. And I'll be like, I know you can go faster. You know, they're still thinking too much about, I'm trying to aim my shot onto the target. I don't want you to care about this shot. This is an easy shot. You can point, shoot this all day long at three yards. Bam. What I'm trying to encourage you to do is go fast. Right. And after we spend a little bit of time with a student, I mean, Shana was uh, watching the podcast. Oh, maybe I saw her name pop up or not. Shana was a student of ours out in Ohio. Matthew, you know her. Mm -hmm. Do you remember how fast she drew on, on that, uh, during that class we taught together? I think she got down sub second. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she yeah. did point yeah. nine something. Yeah, right. And what's the point of that that drill? It's to Jaina. You can do this. You can go faster, mm-hmm. right? But you don't know how to really do that, and you also don't know what it feels like until you actually do it. And that's the whole reason why we do that. You know, just learning how to draw fast from a very close distance because the accuracy is irrelevant. We're just trying to teach how to draw fast. Right. So now when we start bringing accuracy back into the picture, then we take Shana, we put her at seven yards and say, Shana, I want you to draw with the same level of speed that as you did from three yards. Cause now you're gonna do a build drill at seven yards, right? Well, you'll be more successful at build drill. If you draw with the same speed, you just did at three yards. But then once you get up there, you're not going to just slam through the trigger like you did at three yards, right? But you're going to get out there fast. It gives you lots of time to do what? See and find the sights or your dot or whatever it is that you aim with and get that little bit of a reference on target and then bang, 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 six times for a build drill. 
right? But it's it, it's interesting. I mean, I know I'm pretty sure you've seen this and that you agree, Matthew, that you take a student and once they start getting the idea of speed, they'll draw very fast at three dis, at three yards, but then you stick it back at fifteen, and how fast do they draw? Yeah. It, it, it happens it to me down, too. right? Yeah, because you're trying to be more deliberate and you're thinking about, okay, it's going to take me a little bit more time on my sites. So you do everything a little bit Dude, more slowly. That's exactly right. But the draw itself is irrelevant mm-hmm. to the shot that's going to be fired. Right. Right. You can still do that draw itself. You can do the draw itself as fast as you want. But then you can take that little bit of extra time, let those sites settle, find things on top of the target, bang. Right. Okay. So, so why, you know, what, what am I trying to get across with this? It's all process oriented. It's all process oriented. The draw should happen as fast as we can do it. Every time we come out of the holster, every time, right. The sites tell us, you know, we, we look, we, we, we aim the gun and we go, Ooh, that target's kind of small indicating it's probably further away. I need to take a little bit more time with that. So then I use a little bit different trigger press, a little bit slower, a little bit smoother, perhaps, right? Being a little bit more sensitive with that trigger. It, in other words, the the cadence and the speed at which we shoot should be dictated by what we see. And what we see is more relevant when we have more time to see. So we should do things sooner and not always necessarily faster meaning that by drawing the gun and getting it up on target sooner gives us more time in the grand scheme of things to find the sights and see. And that then dictates hopefully a little bit smoother, better trigger press. And that's the diff- that is the difference maker between a, a less skilled shooter, like a new student that's coming through one of my classes for the first time. And then when I demonstrate the same thing and they go, whoa, I could never do that. Oh, you can. It's going to, you, you got to put in some work, but like, it kind of feels like it's this impossible thing to do. Like, I can't even imagine doing what you just did. Well, practice work, and I'm just doing things sooner in most cases so that I can actually then perform, you know, and then what we look at is we see good hit results in a very, very short amount of time. That's, that's what that leads to. And that's all process oriented. So again, the key here is, is that we're talking about hits on target, hits on target, give you information. I either hit or I didn't, or gives you certain point value. The timer gives you a time. That's also valuable data and it's relevant. What's the time frame that this, that this hit occurred within? Okay. All right. Um, but if we focus on that hit, like if we're thinking ahead, like we're thinking this, you know, usually it's not so much. Most of us don't think in terms of positive uh, a- affirmation type thoughts, Matthew, when we're shooting. We mostly Correct. think in terms of I'm scared of missing mm-hmm. and, you and I'm afraid I can't do it in in this time that I'd like to, that I won't be as fast as I want to be. Mm-hmm. We think negatively far more than we do positively. And I, and actually the beautiful thing is, is the positive thought should just be focused on, I know what I, what I got to do. I draw a gun. I bring it up here. I pull, I put it on the target. I don't move it. And I press trigger. And if I do that every time, then every time those rounds go where I want them to go. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree completely. And I think, you know, in a lot of other disciplines, people learn things by process. And unfortunately with, I think with shooting, sometimes it's like the process goes out and we just want the results and we want to do them quickly. And so it becomes overwhelming for, especially if you're trying to learn, you know, a new, if you're switching over from maybe I'm just a plinker, you know, that's all I've really ever done to now I'm trying to do things quickly and accurately. Um, and it's, it's, it's just like a complete different process, a, a different way of shooting the gun. And, um, you know, I, I think when you were talking about doing things sooner rather than faster, it's a really powerful thing because think about like, if you guys are, are struggling with, with, you know, what's the difference between sooner versus faster, think about efficiency, like, uh, think about a process. If you've never, if, if, if you're slow and you draw the gun, you work on your grip, you bring the gun up, you point it at the target, you look at the sights, you get your sights, you put your trigger finger on the trigger, you squeeze the trigger that all takes time. But when you're, when, when you start doing things more efficiently, you're doing multiple things at once. So I'm drawing the gun, I'm bringing it up as I'm extending the gun, I'm picking up my sights, I'm starting my trigger squeeze. And so by the time I get out here, my sights are aligned, my trigger's already prepped and I'm just squeezing the trigger. So it looks like, you know, I move, I might be moving faster and I may be moving faster than somebody, but I'm not actually moving maybe faster than if I'm have a one second draw, I might not be technically moving any faster than somebody who has a two second draw. I might just be being more efficient with my movement. So the shot breaks sooner rather than faster. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, no dude, it absolutely does. Um, here's the thing. When we plant the subconscious seed, and, and that happens when we reinforce it consciously, obviously. When we when we are thinking about going fast, everything falls apart. When we when we instead focus on something related to the process, then that speed will come automatically. As far as I gotta I gotta I gotta uh, clarify a little bit, right? Uh, we have to practice speed. We have to practice doing things, the manipulations like drawing the gun doing a reload, you know, those kind of things. We got to practice those and learn how to do those at speed for them to happen fast. We have to practice moving with a gun in our hand quickly. If we're, if, if we're incorporating movement into our shooting at all, that always has, always has to be practiced first. That's not going to just come automatically. But, my, but what I'm trying to get at is if we have that base level of, I can, I can draw pretty quick. I can, you know, do this manipulation, whatever this thing, reload, blah, 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 move from here to point A to point B pretty quickly. Uh, once you have that base level of skill, then what, then you start thinking about trying to go fast. You're gonna you're gonna bungle everything up. But when I think in t- instead of terms in terms of I want to see my sight, whatever my optical aiming device is, whatever frame of reference I'm using. Again, I've talked about this before in the podcast. I'm on close targets, I'm not really. It's a little bit different with a red dot, but. In the case of iron sights, I'm looking for outline on my gun on on target. I'm looking for front sight, hard focus, equal uh, high equal equal light on the target at three yards, five yards, even sometimes depending on you know how generous the target is. I'm looking frame of reference gun. I see outline gun on target. Press trigger, bang bang, right. Um, 
so just to, just to clarify that, but but when I shift my thinking to I want to see my I want to see my sights. Just think of that term very broadly, as I just described a little bit. I want to see my sights on that target as soon as I can. And I I have that mental picture even in my mind. I want to see my sights on target as soon as I can. That change that's different than thinking I'm just going to do all this stuff fast. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll do everything fast and you'll miss a lot. But if you ch- change it to something related to the process, I want to see my site on there as soon as possible. That's related to the process. If my if my sites are on target, right? And I've, I'm holding steady, right? Sights are on target. I'm watching those sights on target. And I press trigger. Where's the bullet going? In that target. And by thinking, and that's kind of like what I've started to develop within myself, is I sort of have like this hunger to see my sights on target as soon as I can. And that subconsciously helps everything else support that that objective uh, at, at my already developed subconscious skill. So everything else happens as fast as it naturally can for me that is a very powerful way of thinking about shooting i want to see what i need to see as it relates to aiming my gun on target as soon as i possibly can and then everything else will support that action yeah agree and that is focusing on processes as opposed to results Back to gunfight hit factor. If you do these things we've talked about today on the podcast, your hit factor will, I guarantee, it will increase. And that's a good thing in case you need to use that, to use those skills in a gunfight. Absolutely. And I think it's important. I'll just kind of my last little statement before we close it up. Um, would would be to you know go back to that uh, thought the process that I used to have and s- some people still may have about separating completely the the shooting sports and the the self defense completely and that they have no uh, applicability towards one another but um, you know the, the the matches yes you know what the uh, what the stage is going to be and everybody runs the same stage and so the b- person with the best hit factor wins. In a gunfight, you are not running the same stage as the other person. They may have be behind cover and you're not, or they may have the gun out and you don't. So you're not running the same stage, but the goal of getting your hit factor is the same for both of you. And so, um, you know, give yourself the best opportunity. Um, unless you're in a, you know, okay corral type draw, you take three steps, turn right. around and draw, right? Like then everything's the same. But if not, um, you're trying to get your hit factor. Hits, accurate hits, effective hits on target as quickly as you can, preferably quicker than the other guy. Because if you both get hits on each other and they're effective, guess what? You may lose anyways. Right. And right. they may lose and you may lose. And we're talking about life. Right. So it's not always a zero, you know, a, a zero sum. I win, you lose, you win, I lose. It might be we both lose because we were both quick and both got effective. So yep. the quicker you can True. stop that threat. Really important. Yep. Good. Good ending thoughts. I did want to just say really quick uh, to address a question from Crystal. 
And I know that you've been uh, chatting with her in the comments as well, Matthew, but uh, she asked about, she said she's taking her CWP, Concealed Weapon Permit class this weekend. Any tips? Crystal, there's a lot that we could probably offer, but I'll keep this really brief and simple. Uh, going, go in with an open mind. Be ready and willing to learn. Question everything. Okay. Both in terms of, it's good to ask good questions, but also come away from the class and go, hmm, I need to think about this. And also, Maybe compare that to other things that you learn and study, uh, because I'll just say they're, you know, concealed carry instructors. I don't know who you got. There are a dime a dozen and some are great and some are less great. Uh, and then finally, go in before your class. So make a decision today, tomorrow, whatever you got to do. Make a decision before you take this class to schedule your next class. Actual training course, like more in-depth uh, shooting oriented course. So set the goal or, or actually schedule the class before you go to your concealed carry class. And that I think will set you on a, on a great path to success as you are beginning your journey. Well, it's time to wrap it up, Matthew, man. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but, and I probably talked too much cause this was a, this was a, like a passionate topic, you know, discussion for me here today. But I enjoyed it. Oh, I mean, obviously, you do a good job of of, uh, conveying, you know, the the process, the importance of the process. And I think that takes time to time to explain why it's so important. So there's a process in explaining it. Right. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that. And and yes, the process is what will lead you to that increased hit factor. And our goal at concealedcarry.com is is to see those hit factors. You know, we. If, heaven forbid, you ever find any one of you ever find yourself in a situation where you have to draw or use a gun, I hope, I truly, sincerely hope you are prepared for that day. And uh, we work hard to help you get there. So thanks for being here and for watching or listening to the Concealed Carry Podcast. Again, our sponsors today, Mantis X. Uh, guys, use the coupon code CCP10 to save 10% off of either your next Mantis X3 or X10. Uh, great product for for training and, and getting some good, valuable feedback uh, data on your shooting process, I might add. And that's how I, I would actually focus on it. Is And that's a lot of what the data, data from the Mantis X is giving. That's why I, I like it so much is it's, it's process-oriented. Shows the movement of the gun. Shows what's happening when you're pressing the trigger. Shows these things going on uh, as part of making the shot. I think some people use Mantis X, Matthew, and they're like, but it doesn't show me really where my hits go. That's irrelevant. It's showing your process, mm-hmm. right? You can look at your target, see where your hits would go. Sure. Right? Yep. Now it's, it's tougher when it's dry firing, but dry fire is irrelevant for where those hits go. Really. If you think about it, uh, especially as it relates to using Manus X, it's, it's telling you, it's giving the data related to the process and helping you learn that process better. So guys, check out Manus X, Manus Use coupon code CCP 10. And then the concealed carry gun tools app and specifically featuring today the reciprocity map builder tool. Guys, download the app today, concealedcarry.com forward slash mobile app. And that's a wrap. Brings us to the end. Matthew, time to bid you adieu. Thank you, sir. Love you guys. Same to you, brother. Guys, take care out there. Be safe and train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.
reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.